You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Pat's Nation in style by gearing yourself up with some DPN merchandise over at teesprings.com slash stores slash DPN. We have left the link in the description of this YouTube video and on the podcast. Because I think the purpose of faith is to get human beings to live on a higher plane than the animals in the jungle and that there's something bigger going on that's bigger than all of us. And we're back. Yes, we are. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Ray. I'm with my boy, Connor, and welcome to the Dear Pats Nation podcast. We're excited to have you all joining us here today. Thanks, everybody, who has downloaded the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to everybody listening on YouTube, and thanks to everybody who watches our content over on Newsbreak. Thank you to all the members of the Dear Pats Nation Loyalty Club who are watching this video recording to the podcast, plus the bonus content you'll get. And you can only get these bonuses if you sign up for the Dear Pats Nation Loyalty Club over on Patreon for only $5 a month. Head on over to patreon.com slash DPN Sports. And Connor and I are thrilled to be a part of the Newsbreak team. And when you download the free Newsbreak app from the link that we left in the description, it directly supports Dear Pats Nation. So you can stay up to date with all of our content and all of your local news for free by downloading the Newsbreak app with the link we provided you in the description. So, Connor, the Philadelphia Eagles and the New England Patriots announced that they're holding joint practices today. Right. Are you a fan of joint practices in the NFL? Eh, somewhat. I mean, I'm, I'm not opposed to it. I feel like every year, though, maybe it's just because I always watch Hard Knocks or it's always in the headlines. It's like every time there's a joint practice, I feel like a fight breaks out between the two teams. I mean, it's definitely good to get out there and have the like camaraderie and, and play against another team and practice. But I don't know if it's if it's that crazy of a benefit, but I, I'm not like opposed to it. See, I'm a big proponent of joint practices. I, I threw this idea out last year during the COVID year back when we were on that other sports brand. Yep. And I was talking to my boy Lawrence over there and I said, I would love to see the NFL just kibosh and get rid of those preseason games altogether. Right. And rather than having preseason games, just have the teams hold joint practices for those four weeks. That would have been the preseason. It's almost like the same thing. Some of those preseason games, I mean, it's just like you, you don't really even need to watch the fourth quarter of the second preseason game because it's a bunch of people who are basically practicing. It's like a bunch of people who are having a tryout for a team that they're probably not going to make, so they're trying to show off to a team that they m- might pick them up after. I would dare say that you don't even have to watch the second quarter of the first preseason game. No, no. I mean, I, I very quickly it gets into guys who you already know aren't going to make the team. So like I'm saying, like I was saying it's, it's like a tryout for the other, their, whatever their next landing spot might be. 
But I still think you need, as a coach and as a team, need to have some sort of competitiveness to right. the mix. You can't just be going up against each other. Uh, and, I mean, we saw some of the slow starts and stuff that came out of last year because there was no preseason, not just for the Patriots, but other teams around the NFL. That's why I think that if every team just held joint practices, you would get that competition. You'd get the first teams involved, obviously, because you'd have the first team offense going up against the first team defense of the other team and vice versa. And yeah, I, I just to me, I just feel like you could get that competitive edge. You can hold these practices, but obviously the NFL wants to make money, so they're never going to want to right. move forward with scrapping preseason. But I like it. What do you think about the Philadelphia Eagles? I think it's an interesting uh, team to have the Patriots go up against. That's for sure. I mean, I feel like there's always this like little underlying rivalry between the Patriots and the Eagles. They played them in the Super Bowl twice. They're one and one against them. And I feel like Boston and, and Philadelphia, it's a good clash, man. Do you think that uh, Lane Johnson is going to maybe be surprised by how much fun the Patriots have at practice? Do you think that, that could be a storyline at all? Um, Quite possibly. I know that the Patriots are the no-fun fanatic team of the league. And uh, they, they're not allowed to do anything. There's no recess. There's no laughing. There's no fun. <laughs> or at least so we've been told. But yeah, it's going to be possibly. interesting. But Doug Peterson is no longer there. Nick Folk is no longer, or Nick Foles is no longer there. Yep. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt's no longer there. It, really, a lot of those Super Bowl players outside of the offensive line are gone. Right. So it's not even like that same rivalry. But yeah, I think it's an interesting pick, too. There is a little bit of that natural rivalry between Boston and Philadelphia. Uh, and then you, of course, you have the Eagles Patriots who have met in the Super Bowl twice. Yeah, I think it's it was an interesting choice. And I, I think, you know, there could be some sparks and fireworks. And I wouldn't be surprised if maybe some Patriots took some cheap shots at like Lane Johnson. Yep. Yep. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I guess I was saying earlier, man, I feel like every year whenever there's these joint practices, it's actually very competitive and guys get very, you know, feisty. There's a lot of pushing, shoving and, you know, uh, fights after the play in these things. So, Connor, Seth Wickersham, who wrote that damning article about Brady and Belichick back in 2017, has a book being released called It's Better to Be Feared, The New England Patriots Dynasty in Pursuit of Happiness. Here's a description I found of the book that is coming out soon. It's available for pre-order. Okay. It says, over 200, over two unbelievable decades, the New England Patriots were not only the NFL's most dominant team, but also and by far the most secretive. How did they achieve and sustain greatness? And what were the costs? In its, in its better to be feared, Seth Wickersham, one of the country's finest long-form investigative writers, tells the full behind-the-scenes story of the Patriots, capturing the brilliance, ambition, and vanity that powered and ultimately unraveled them. Based on hundreds of interviews conducted since 2001, Wickersham's Chronicles is packed with revelations taking us deep into Belichick's tactical ingenuity and Tom Brady's unique mentality while also reporting on the divergent paths in 2020, including Brady's run to the Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Rochus, unvarnished and definitive, it's better to be feared, is an instant classic of American sports writing in the tradition of Michael Lewis, David Moranis, and David Halberstam. So... This kind of seems like a Dynasty 2.0 type of book. Yeah. Jeff Benedict, I believe, in my opinion, as much as he captured so much he in, the, in the Dynasty, would it, to me, it would, be, it would be safe to say that he protected the Patriots a little bit too. 
Yeah. It was a very positive spin to everything. He didn't, even the negative stuff, he didn't get too deep into it. And he always found a way to sort of spin it to a positive. Obviously, Seth Wickersham, he blew the doors open in New England when he was reporting for the first person to report the tensions between Brady and Belichick in 2017. I think back then, a lot of us denied the possibility that there was tension in that locker room. But after reading the dynasty and we look where we are in 2021, I mean, there's a little bit of truth to what Seth said, even though I think a lot of Patriot fans want to deny it. Uh, he was the one who broke the story on the Jimmy Garoppolo deal that Belichick wanted to keep Garoppolo and Brady went to Kraft. And there's still people out there today that deny that Brady went to, to Kraft to keep Belichick. And it wasn't mentioned in the dynasty. I mean, listen, I know that Patriot fans are going to hate this, but I'm going to read the book. I think that yeah. there's going to be some interesting stuff that comes out of this. And I think that there could be some damning stuff that comes out both about Belichick and Brady and possibly Robert Kraft. And we're going to get some stories from somebody else who may be not so nice to the Patriots as Benedict was, as great as the dynasty the dynasty was. I'm looking forward to the book. I know Patriot fans are going to dismiss it as fake news, I guess is the proper way to put it. But listen, guys, where there's smoke, there's fire. And a lot of what Wickersham said back in 2017 is starting to show light in the last couple of seasons. Connor, are you going to read the book? Uh, yeah, I, I honestly didn't even know it was coming out until I saw it on Twitter a couple hours ago. <laughs> Excuse me, now that now that we're hearing about it, yeah, I will definitely read it. I read The Dynasty by Jeff Benedict, and it was super in-depth, but like you said, there was definitely a little bit of a homerish spin on it. Seemed like it was written kind of like it was by a Patriots fan, but it still did an absolutely fantastic job of like portraying the past 20 years, but I would like to see it from an outsider's perspective, and I can't think of a better person than Seth Wickersham or with Wickershaw, whatever his last name is. But I, Wickersham. I, yeah, I'm I'm definitely gonna definitely gonna read it. Back in 2017, when that article came out, and it was a long, in-depth, well-researched, and yep. a lot of you know anonymous sources. Right. What did you were you one of the Patriot fans at that time that thought, no, this is completely made up. This is garbage. Uh, you know, I know the organization came out and basically denied it, but the organization's always going to come out and basically deny it. And the dynasty already proved that that statement wasn't completely true that they put out saying that they right. you know everything's fine and dandy. But we're at that time in 2017, because I will fully admit I was, I was one of those people that just said this is a garbage clickbait article. I didn't believe it was coming out. I thought a little bit of like where there's smoke, this fire, and there might be some tension over the whole Jimmy G thing and Brady and Belichick, that whole that whole thing. But I didn't care because they were still winning, so it didn't really matter to me. It wasn't anything that I, I looked into too deeply because in 2017, they went to the Super Bowl. 2018, they won the Super Bowl. They were still blowing the doors off of teams. They were going, whatever, 12-4, and 11-5, and 13-3 every season. I didn't care about anything that anybody wrote because I knew that they were going to be a shoe-in for the AFC East, probably have a bye, probably go right to the AFC uh, Championship and have a great chance at going to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl like they did for the past 20 years every season. So nothing anybody wrote I really cared about. 2017 would have been an interesting year for you and I to be partners because that article came out in January. Then the Patriots lost the Super Bowl. Then there was a lot of drama in that offseason. I don't know if you a remember lot. it. 
Uh, but I know for me, as someone who was covering the Patriots at that time, and that was very early into my time covering the Patriots, uh, there was a lot to talk about. When, you know, the whole Tom Brady pre pleading the fifth when he was asked if he was, you know, if he felt appreciated in New England, Rob Gronkowski's antics around his retirement. I think that was Rob Ninkovich's abrupt retirement uh, yeah. during during the preseason there was a lot going into that year that you just, you didn't feel good about the Patriots. And of course they came out, won the Super Bowl. It seemed to solve everything. And then one more year, an early round knockout. And then Tom Brady was no longer a New England Patriot, but 2017 was, and I guess going into 2018 was a very interesting time for very the New England much. Patriots. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and that was right after they lost the Eagles Super Bowl, right after the mysterious Malcolm Butler benching. And then there were there was just a ton of drama going on, and you could tell there was a lot of tension going on with the team. It was almost like this was all leading up to Tom Brady eventually leaving and them kind of the dynasty slowly deteriorating a little bit. Hopefully it gets back going in 2021 and they have a little bit of a resurgence and it's the dynasty 3.0, but... Yeah, 2017 after that Super Bowl, even though they won the Super Bowl in 2018, there was a lot going on. So Cassius Marsh says the Patriots treat their players like crap and this Bill Belichick again. holds boring team meetings. Here's just a little breakdown of it. Marsh, who played nine games for the Patriots in 2017 before that getting many. waived, spoke about his brief <laughs> tenure in New England on the Two Bears, One Cave podcast with Tom Segura. The 29-year-old, who's now with the Steelers in his seventh NFL team, once again reflected on his Patriots tenure with a lot of negativity. Quote, the Patriots way is pretty, it's extremely impressive. Like they work day in and day out. Their work ethic over there, uh, what they instill is pretty legendary, but they also treat their players like crap, Marsh stated. Marsh uh, first thought to explain his assertion of no lunchtime for players. They don't, they don't have like, they don't have a lunch period, Marsh said. You get there <laughs> and you have to make time to eat between meetings. And they're like five to 10 periods where I would literally go five to 10 minute periods where I would literally go scoop food up and put it into a cup and like crush it back real quick before I go to the next meeting. Uh, it's just like, there's no, no BS. There's no fun. Uh, Marsh said he preferred the style of Pete Carroll in Seattle. I quote, I also came from Seattle, which is like fun family. We shoot hoops before every meeting and it's a competition every day. We're riding scooters from meeting to meeting. Super fun family college vibes. The Seahawks traded Marsh to New England in 2017 and then released him again in 2019 when he tried to make the team for a second time. Since then, he played for Arizona, Jacksonville and Indianapolis. He signed with Pittsburgh last December, but has yet to play a game for the Steelers. Uh, thoughts on Cassius Marsh, or as you, I assumed was a, a typo, referred to him today as Cashew Marsh? Yeah, who, whoever he is, I really don't know. I'm surprised by the nine games. I thought he probably played nine seconds for the Patriots, but he's had about uh, nine years worth of things to say, it seems. I mean, I don't know why. People seem to keep giving this guy a microphone, and whenever he's there, he talks about four years ago for the nine weeks he played for the Patriots and what it was like, so... He, he's like like a bitter ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend at this point, man. He just likes likes to chirp, but I, I didn't even know who this guy was still in the NFL at this point. Yeah, it's a little bit of a strange one, I find as well, because I think about a guy like Michael Bennett, who's has a proven track record in the NFL, Yeah, and things just didn't work out for him in New England. And if he was out here kind of yippity-yapping, 
Yeah, I wouldn't like it, but you'd almost kind of be like, okay, this is a guy established in the NFL. All right. Michael Bennett got traded to Dallas the same season that he got signed by the Patriots. The Patriots traded for him, and he was like, no, I got nothing but respect for Belichick, and I was like going to college. Right. Uh, you know, his brother had a lot of success in New England and would have dealt with that. Uh, to me, Cassius Marshall just felt like he didn't want to play championship football. Yeah, pretty much. He's like, oh, no, they wanted to actually require me to do my job to the best of my ability, and that's that's I didn't, well, I didn't sign up for that. He's basically like, I signed up to do a B-minus job, and they asked me to do an A-plus job, and that's just he he's just appalled by that, despite the fact that I'm sure regardless of what his, you know, his salary was, it was an exuberant amount of money to the point where it was probably a one percent richest person in the world contract. So, he's, yeah, yet he still complained. Yeah. And I think that at this point, it's like I almost feel like Patriot fans, if you want him to stop saying this stuff you got to stop reacting to it because he's he's obviously getting the reaction from the fan base that he wants i think he said right. today that he was like the fifth most hated patriot of all time yeah i don't i, I don't know who one to four is me neither i don't even question. know like when i sit back and think like who are like patriots i hate I, it's I, I don't have any there's not even like draft but i guess aaron hernandez maybe yeah even at that i just feel like uh, Danny Amendola. Danny Danny Amendola, yes, but even now that that Cash is Cashew, whatever Clay, whatever his name is, came out, I'm like, at least Danny Amendola provided some value while he was with the team. You know what I mean? Like, he came out and talked shit, and I think that he's kind of obnoxious and annoying with it, but... When I when I look back at it, I'm like he he did provide something. This guy provided nothing. Uh, SB Nation writer Matthew Roninsky says that Nikhil Harry situation is a bad look all around. Uh, here's just one little paragraph he wrote: When Nikhil Harry's agent went public about working with the New England Patriots on a trade last week and a complete reversal of the easily release, the logical conclusion is there are no winners here. This makes Everybody involved, whether it's Nikhil himself, Nikhil's people, the Patriots, and Belichick look bad. First of all, in my opinion, Nikhil Harry's agent swung up by going yep. public with this. He wasn't swinging down. Uh, you almost think about the gall of Nikhil Harry to be requesting a trade as if he's done anything in the NFL to earn it. And I think that there's Patriot fans out there who feel that way. And I don't blame them for feeling that way and being upset and feeling slighted by a guy who they see as a, a huge draft bust. But I also got to agree with uh, Ruinsky when he says that this is a bad look for everybody. Of course, it's a bad look for Nikhil Harry. It's, a, it's like, buddy, it's almost like Cassius Marsh in a way. You couldn't cut it with the New England Patriots, so now you're trying to go public. It wouldn't surprise me either if Nikhil Harry or his people, at least, were talking bad about the Patriots after they left the organization. It yeah. seems like there's a lot of bad blood there. Even him coming back now and saying, like, well, I'm going to report the camp, like, it, it's... Were you not going to report the camp before? Why was this even a story? Were you just going to hold out until you were traded? Like, and now you're caving to the pressure. Like, what is the reasons for reporting the training camp? Um, and, you know, and again, I think Nikhil Harry just, Nikhil Harry requesting a trade obviously just brought Bill Belichick back into the forefront on another wide receiver miss in the draft. It's it's just a bad look. Nikhil's agent looks dumb. Belichick looks lost as a GM. The Patriots as an organization at the same time that you've got your probably your best player in Stephon Gilmore sitting out and holding out for money, you've got probably your worst player in Nikhil Harry demanding a trade. And Nikhil just, I mean, Nikhil looks like a clown right now, if I'm going to be completely honest. It's just it's a bad look for everybody. 
It's an all-around bad situation. I mean, I think Nikhil Harry is trying to have some sort of leverage when he has none. I mean, what's his leverage? I'm going to sit out or I'm going to be, I'm going to demand a trade. So I'm not going to be on the team anymore. Okay. I mean, he has no leverage. It's like if his production isn't there over the past two seasons, absolutely nothing would change. So that's, that's definitely a tough look. His agent trying to go out there and kind of beat his chest and say, you know, the Patriots didn't do right by him and he'll do better somewhere else. He's trying to stay ahead of it. But I think most people know that Nikhil Harry hasn't done anything. And then Bill Belichick has to come back and be like, yeah, I, I invested a first round draft pick on this guy a couple of years ago. And now it's turning into him demanding a trade and also him having next to no productivity over the past two years. And not looking like it's going to get any better in year three. So it's bad for, it's bad for Belichick. It's bad for Harry. It's bad for his agent. It's all around and not a good situation. Two years in with this guy, three years in. Who do you think is coming off looking worse? I think Nikhil Harry. I really do. Just because I don't think that you can fool other teams. They're very, very smart people in this league who are running these teams, who are GMs. They know what Nikhil Harry's doing. They've seen it. They've watched the film. They're not going to listen to a statement from his agent saying one of the best downfield receivers in all of college history. They don't care about his statement. They're not going to fall for that. You know what I mean? I, I think they know what's going on. They know that he might not make the team in New England. His agent's trying to get out ahead of it and get a trade. Somebody might be interested in taking a flyer on him, but I don't think anybody's going to invest at the absolute most anything higher than a fifth-round pick on him. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think I saw it was last week a stat that came out from PFF that said, like, Nikhil Harry only got separation on 25% of his – his route or his snaps or whatever. So you're thinking 75% of the time, because I know like digressing the first second, Nikhil Harry is one of the reasons he wants to be traded is he feels he's not being used properly. He also feels like he's not being targeted enough. He wants more participation on the field. Right. Well, when you're covered 75% of the time that you're on the field, how is the quarterback supposed to get you the football? Right. And when we look at this type of stuff, that's exactly what I'm thinking when I say like these people who look into this type type of stuff are very intelligent. I mean, this is the statistics that, you know, are out there to the general public. I mean, just imagine all of the statistics that these teams have and what they've seen in his two years in the league and what they know. I'm sure they're looking at it and saying the same exact thing. So they see that statement and you, you just brush it aside because, you know, he's not opened three fourths of the time. Now, one name that was left off the paragraph I shared, but did make the article that I do want to discuss is Josh McDaniels. And, you know, look, I got to give a little bit of fairness to Nikhil Harry here. And I think a little bit to Cam Newton last season. And Cam Newton's a guy yeah. I've been very, very hard on, especially over the last week. I just happened to be the way it was coming up. But it was obvious last season that Josh McDaniels didn't, completely use cam newton probably the way he could have and he made a lot of safe calls again i've argued whether that was josh mcdaniels not knowing how to use cam newton or was that josh mcdaniels feeling handcuffed because he didn't trust cam newton or the other weapons on the field to execute some of the stuff that he wanted to do considering he called some really aggressive trick plays like the jacoby myers throw and and he, he called a lot of trick plays last year i think uh, didn't did. rex burkhead take his toss into the end zone i mean there's been a lot of yeah. stuff so I guess so it's there, but do you, do you think that Nikhil Harry perhaps wasn't used to his best with Josh McDaniels or are you looking at this going, no, no, this is all on Nikhil Harry. 
I'm thinking it's more on Nikhil Harry, although I don't think Josh McDaniels had his best year last year. I don't think he used anyone. Obviously, Cam Newton, Nikhil Harry being two of the guys to, you know, the best of their abilities. So I don't think he had a great year as far as running the offense last year. But Nikhil Harry, dis- he, d- he hasn't shown me anything in two years when I've seen him out there. I mean, I don't think he gets opened. I don't think he gets separation. I was expecting him to be a pretty good target in the red zone. I haven't seen anything out of him there. I would put it more on Nikhil Harry than I would on, you know, the coaching or the utilization of him. We want to thank all of the Dear Pats Nation Loyalty Club members on Patreon. For only $5 a month, you get an exclusive Patreon webcast from Sunday to Thursday, access to the live recording of the Dear Pats Nation podcast, and an exclusive live stream every second Friday where you can join Connor and I on screen. We don't have any tiers. It's only $5 a month. So come check out the Dear Pats Nation Loyalty Club at patreon.com slash DPN Sports. We've left the link in the description. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.